to Island Minds, a mental health podcast. Please note, these episodes deal with topics that some listeners may find distressing. For suggested contacts, please see the show notes on our Facebook page after this episode. Please note that this episode deals with the following topics. Psychosis, hallucinations, domestic abuse, rape, cancer, and being a carer. Welcome to Series 2 of Island Minds, the mental health podcast, or now otherwise known as the Eddie Munson Fan Club. (laughs) If you haven't watched Stranger Things Volume 4 yet, no, it's not Volume 4, it's Season 4, Volume 1. I've got an awful bad start. If you haven't watched it yet, do. Um, We're not on commission, but we are a big part of the Eddie Munson Fan Club. We are its two only Isle of Wight members because we won't allow anyone else in it. (laughs) Very exclusive. We're getting jackets. (laughs) We are. So Tia, it's been a while. It has been a while. I mean, just, you know, just to clarify, Hannah and I speak every day. (laughs) (laughs) You guys and for doing this, it's been a while. Did any anything crop up in your life, Anna? Any big life events for you? Um, I can't think of anything particularly life changing. Uh, had a baby, <laughs> and um, yeah. So yeah. So that was that was pretty that was pretty big. Um, and for our listeners who caught the last episode of series one, you'll remember um, a big part of what I talked about was the fear of dying in childbirth and all of my anxiety surrounding um, having a baby. Well, I'm here. (laughs) Um, It wasn't, it didn't all go to plan. We were in hospital for about a week, but uh, I now have Mallory, beautiful, beautiful Mallory. So yeah, so that's, she's eight weeks old tomorrow. Oh my goodness. I can confirm she is beautiful. She is. Was it our last episode or our second to last? Not that that really matters. Oh my gosh, it was the second to last. We had Mike. Michael was our last episode. That's right. But yes, it's. I'm glad you've, you know, let everyone know you're alive. It'd be um, yes. pretty good going on my part. Pretty skilled to be <laughs> with otherwise. Um, but yeah, it was, yes, it was an experience. She ended up being a C-section because she just didn't want to come out, um, tried all manner of induction and she was having none of it. So she obviously picked up a thing or two from my donkeys while she was inside. But yeah, so there were aspects of it that were traumatising, some things I'm still coming to terms with, but I was very, very well supported. The midwife department were absolutely amazing um and the fact that the island now has its own mental health midwife made a huge difference to me and she is going to make a huge difference to so many people because I'm going to be honest I think back now to the actual process of having the c-section and I don't know how I got through it I really don't it set off a lot of triggers for me it was absolutely kind of a worst case scenario situation but yeah there was so much support there I cannot fault how well I was looked after and the fact that this uh the mental health uh midwifery position has only existed a short amount of time is shocking to me because it was fundamentally a massive part of how I think I got through that yeah period I think so well that's amazing I wasn't worried at all during that week I was 
really relaxed. Um, <laughs> you were even in another part of the hospital. Like, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. I was just stood outside staring at all the windows. Like... My poor mum as well. She was in the same position as you. She was at work the day that we ended up going into theatre. And um, she was obviously, you know, getting more and more worried. She hadn't heard from us. And then without any warning or any context, Jack just sent her a picture of me and Mallory, like, out of the blue. Like, with... (laughs) So whatever she was doing at that point, (laughs) I'm glad she wasn't doing something, you know, really important and, um, you know, life saving because yeah i mean you know not that she is a heart surgeon but glad she wasn't in the middle of heart surgery <laughs> exactly with her phone in her hand. yeah oh but you did you did so well i'm sure well i know you would underplay it because you have but um i'd just like to confirm that hannah's a superhero um, <laughs> yeah you did you did so amazingly well if Thank you don't you. mind me we don't have to include this if you don't want but you don't mind me saying I found it really interesting that I think there was some assumption from people that all of your worries would just disappear. There was. There was. (laughs) It's not how it works. And no, um, actually having the surgery and everything, it did kind of like activate a kind of a a health anxiety sort of in me so obviously with a c-section there is a longer recovery time and I have really struggled not with the fact I had a c-section you know I I don't feel any less of a mother but it's more I feel quite icky is the only way I can I can really describe it and it's sort of that you know there's lots of aches and pains there's lots of weird sensations afterwards um it's very painful afterwards um and it's just been learning what's normal is it normal to feel this way so my anxiety is manifested in new ways so you know irrationally worrying about blood clots or bleeding or things going internally wrong or getting an infection you know all those things it, it yeah there some weeks have been quite bad like even when Mallory sleeps I haven't been able to sleep because I've been too afraid that I won't wake up you know things like that so while I'm still working on it and I'm still I have my um I think I have two more therapy sessions left um you know it's it's okay but yeah the anxiety certainly didn't just dissipate because I survived having her It's, it's just sadly not how it works I mean it was a big sort of you know fingers up to my intrusive thoughts that I've had for like two decades about dying in childbirth but yeah it it the anxieties have they're now sort of triggered by pains or aches that I'm not used to because it is weird there's really weird stuff happening but it's 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 a journey and I'm still on it um she like I said she's eight weeks old tomorrow and I'm not going to rush my recovery you know I I'm sure there are people that would already be absolutely fine but you know this is this is me and that's okay well as I said I think you've done amazing and I'd just like to take a moment and to thank you for making time for this and we just appreciate that Anna's doing this when her child is only eight weeks old <laughs> straight back into podcasting <laughs> is that like you were straight back into it weeks ago <laughs> i well, said you know you hear all these things like oh once your friends have kids that's it and i was like you've just you've just still been our relationship's been the same it's just except mallory's there <laughs> obviously in the episode we recorded where i talked about 
my worries and stuff I said about like my identity and worrying about losing you know a part of me and and now that I've had Mallory I'm actually okay with losing certain aspects of who I was before because I am different I am now a mother and there are you do look at things differently things hit differently um, and your priority obviously is always one thing and one thing only and that's Mallory but I still for me have the same relationship with you you know my friends I still have I still have the same desire to see friends to socialize I still have the same desire to go back to work (laughs) obviously when I do go back to work I will miss the socks off of Mallory but I still miss work just as much and I gigging so all those things are still part of me and I'm really pleased about that but it's just I've gained something on top of that so I haven't I felt for a long time I was grieving because I was about to lose a big part of who I was but actually I haven't I've gained something and it's just about fit you know fitting the other things sort of around Mallory so yeah yay (laughs) yay (laughs) that's amazing honestly very proud thank you oh such an awkward thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) it wasn't that awkward that was me i'm sorry (laughs) you should be what about you how are you um i am okay i'm trying to think that would have been the last episode i was on the podcast wasn't it um the episode with michael was just you guys it was yes so yeah since then then bless her, the goddaughter. <laughs> you might know her. Uh, <laughs> I've heard of her. Yeah, she's very cute. Uh, we're moving house, so that's very stressful at the moment, but that's very exciting. Yes, um, yes. I've been doing my job a year. That was a year last week, which is nuts. Oh, my God. So a year ago, you abandoned me. No, I let. I started it. At the same time as I was at the castle, didn't I? So it was August oh, yes. that I abandoned you. We'll, we'll I'll let you off. Style. <laughs> yeah, uh, my anxiety's been a bit of an arsehole the last few months, I would say. But it's, you know, it's just ups and downs, as yeah. with anyone. Yeah. Um, and just learning to manage it. Um, yeah, generally I'm okay, um, I think. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited to do this. Yes. Series two. <laughs> yes. And how well did series one go? Series one went very well. So just so our listeners are aware, in our first series, we used a host site called Acast. This time around, we're trying a new one. So we've moved across to a hosting website called Podbean. And when we left Acast, we were on, um, I think, just under 900 downloads. And since moving to Podbean, we have now gone over the 1,000 downloads for Series 1, which I I think is really impressive. Um, as we keep saying, we're a little, you know, kitchen table podcast on the Isle of Wight. And yeah, you know, 19 countries have listened to us. It, it, it's It's very exciting and it's lovely that people are wanting to listen to us it's lovely that people want to talk to us yeah it's uh, yeah really proud of series one and really looking forward to series two yay a thousand downloads <laughs> so cool it's, it is it's, cool. yeah you're right it, it's like you know i'm i'm recording this <laughs> in my bedroom i still don't have podcasting equipment it's on my list it did <laughs> I don't know if anyone saw it let i was like 
I'll take a photo while I'm podcasting. But I was like, but it's just my face because I have no microphone. <laughs> I said to you, I nearly did like put cartoon ones on. Like if Tia yes. had podcasting equipment, this is what it would look like. <laughs> I still vote that you do that. <laughs> I mean, I've put I it up now. I do. Yeah, I never know how much of my humour to show in relation to this podcast because <laughs> I can cross very quickly into unprofessional. <laughs> I kind of love that though. <laughs> Sounds like a brag, but it was more of a confession. <laughs> it, it has done tremendously well and we're so grateful to everyone who's listened and shared and rated and reviewed and um, we're just so glad that it's not only been successful but, you know, made a difference yeah. to people and we yeah. have people say say that to us and it's lovely and obviously all of our great guests really thank you to them and I'd like to thank my mum and the academy the academy oh anyway in this series we will cover some new topics we may well cover uh, topics we've already covered in previous episodes but what we're also going to be looking to do because we know not everyone is confident about speaking if you would like to share your story but in written form we're also going to be making that an option very soon uh, for our podcast so keep your eye on our social media pages for opportunities like that and just before we go over to our lovely guest if you would like to come on to the podcast we are still looking for interviewees for series two so get in touch with us you can email us or you can contact us via any of our social media channels that's facebook twitter and instagram get in touch if you would like to have a chat with us so tia tell us a little bit about the episode we've got coming up yeah so this was a great episode um obviously hannah's incredibly busy as i hear you know having children can you know make you a little bit busy oh, she sounds so lazy <laughs> Yeah, so obviously you've been very busy. So uh, I did some interviews, which has been lovely. And our first interview was with a lovely lady called Becky. She had a lot to talk about in terms of her mental health and her physical health. Uh, she was primarily speaking to me about schizoaffective disorder. Uh, I don't know if you've heard much about it, Hannah. I know one of my colleagues has schizoaffective disorder. Uh, before I met her, I hadn't heard of it, so... Yes, it wasn't something I was familiar with either. Um, yeah, and actually when I was doing some research about it, it was actually quite hard to find much on it in terms of statistics. Just as a sort of brief summary, I'm not going to go massively into explaining the disorder because Becky does such a good job of that herself and it's an amazing interview. But schizoaffective disorder is people get symptoms of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder so they might have symptoms um, with the schizo referring to psychotic symptoms and affective referring to mood symptoms so they may have mania depression and psychosis the only sort of statistic i could find said one in 200 people will develop schizoaffective disorder at some point in their lives and it's more common in women. And psychotic symptoms will include, or may include, sorry, um, delusions and hallucinations, whether visual or auditory. Uh, one of the things Becky talks about as well as part of the delusion symptoms is um, delusions of grandeur. So she's she speaks about what that meant for her and, and her perception when she was um, at her most ill. 
uh, yeah, and it's a really it's a really great interview. She's very open and honest, very informative, and she's so inspiring. Like I was I was blown away by her. She's um, yeah, wonderful guest. Thank you again, Becky. The only thing I just wanted to say, um, and we've said this before, but I just want to make it clear. Uh, Becky didn't or hasn't always necessarily had a great experience with services, particularly NHS services. And we talk honestly about that, but I just want to say it's we know that's not reflective of everyone's experience. Yeah. And I think it's really important as a whole that we're honest about the good experiences and the bad experiences because it is what it is. We know that there is investment, but we know that there are still big problems and we know that a lot of people have been let down, but we also know a lot of people have been very well looked after. So... I think it's important we paint an accurate picture of what's happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And one of the things Becky and I spoke about that was really interesting is um, when people slip through the cracks. And this is a phrase that gets battered around quite a lot. And, it, you know, it's going to happen. But we were talking about what that actually means in real terms and the impact that has on someone's life. But, yeah, I um, I just think it's interesting. You know, you sort of say it as in a sort of way of it, like it can't be helped. Yes, actually, yeah. like obviously services are doing their best and most people working services are there with the best of intentions yes and try their best mm. but is it good enough for us to say people yeah. slip through the cracks yeah you know? but yeah um as i said i don't i don't want to pretend i know lots about the disorder yes. and and you know throw things mm. at you when becky's going to do such a good job of explaining it so i think best thing is to jump into the interview brilliant hey guys this is your friendly neighborhood co-host tia very nicely and let's be honest very awkwardly asking if you could please rate and review where possible you can like and share our social media pages or leave us ratings on apple podcasts and spotify it's very quick and easy and we really appreciate it and we'd love to hear your feedback i mean preferably good feedback because we do have anxiety but you know whatever you feel like thank you Hi Becky, uh, thank you so much for joining me, uh, joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate it. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm doing okay today. Good, good. That's what we like to hear. So I'm going to kick right off and just ask you to tell me a bit about your mental health journey. Yeah, this is your space, so so go for it. Okay, so back in 2011. I started having manic, I've been having manic blips throughout my teens. Yeah. My um, my mum said it's like I'd gone out of the room and I wasn't, wasn't me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, she said that she'd, she'd be able to like shout at me or something and it would snap me out of wherever I, I'd gone in my mind mm-hmm. back into the room. But those periods started to get bigger and bigger. Yeah. I wasn't very aware of what was happening. It, it sort of, it always seems to feel like someone else takes you over. Yeah. And you become someone else because you, you, you're no longer you. And that's the, the, the horrible part of mania. Yeah. But yeah, I was um, severely depressed I'd experienced an awful lot of uh, rejection mm-hmm. 
I was uh, emotionally neglected by my father. I'd experienced a lot of bullying. I'd been rejected by universities. I was having problems trying to find work and I was being rejected from interviews and things. So various different things, bereavements and things like that all, all started to build up. Yeah. So I started going into manic depression. Mm-hmm. So I was severely low whilst being high. Yeah. I started to hear things that weren't there. I sort of felt like the radio and the television were talking to me. Yeah. And in, in most people get negative voices, voices, but I get positive ones. Yeah. So instead of people saying horrible things about me, they were actually saying nice things about me. So, that, yeah, that was quite... Yeah. If you're going to have it, that was quite <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've spoken to people who've said the same, actually, because you, I think... I mean, there's still so much misinformation around it, but the assumption is that it's you know a, a negative voice, and it's not always the case, which I guess no. makes it even harder to to separate. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like it's coming from yourself, right? Yeah, it feels like other people in the crowd, or you know, yeah. are, are saying it. You you don't think that it's actually coming from you? No. And I started to go into insomnia. Right. So leading up to my first episode, I didn't sleep for three nights in a row. Wow. And the the, the thoughts patterns just got absolutely insane. It, it, it sort of felt like your mind was spinning. Yeah. It, it, it was just so fast and you just, yeah. And my my grandeur is that I am um, I believe that I'm the how best but the mother of the universe. You know, I created it, and okay. you know, and in my own little world, good things happen to people who deserved it, and you know, other people were getting their corruptions and all that sort of, sort of thing. But it was basically my mind protecting myself because it, it couldn't take anymore yeah 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 so um yeah I think I I came downstairs to my mom and I was talking nine to the dozen and I scared the living day myself. oh wow oh yeah uh, she, she had to phone her, her friend um to go basically something's gone wrong with Becky <laughs> <laughs> what, what do I do yeah yeah. Took me to A&E. Oh, wow. And I got admitted to the psych ward. Yeah. Yeah. Which must have been terrifying. Um, to begin with, I wasn't aware of where I was. Okay. Or what was happening to me. Yeah. Because um, the thoughts, the, my mind was changing what people were saying to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I never heard what was going on at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my mum says um, she doesn't understand how you can section people who have no understanding of what's going on. Yeah, I think that's... We're signing a piece of paper, not even knowing what... what, what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's often, I think, where this, the section happens when people don't have the capacity. But yeah, it's, uh, 
I imagine very scary for your mum as well. Um, yeah, it was it was terrifying for her, especially having to leave me with strangers and other people yeah. who were also losing their minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, I was still very protective of her because um, when I was in hospital, there was I think she'd brought brought some things in for me, and I think they were checking her bag or something, even though they'd already done that. Yeah, and I I had a go at the staff and said, "Leave my mum alone." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I might not have been that with it, but um, I, I was still quite protective. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I spent uh, a month on basically an, an assessment ward. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd spent a, a long week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you're perceptions just you know yeah completely different at that stage (laughs) yeah and I got moved on to a different ward had some scans because first of all they believed that I had schizophrenia Mm -hmm. which I thought was terrifying yeah because of course the stigma towards schizophrenia is everyone thinks you know of the mad axeman and all the rest of it which is just isn't true No, not true at all. Um, I think we we might have said this before on the podcast, but um, most people with mental health and particularly those kind of conditions are much more at risk for themselves than they are to others. It's a complete myth. It is. Yeah, it's really sad. But yeah, I had scans and they proved that I didn't have schizophrenia. They just thought I had a manic episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I was put into something called the early intervention team. Yeah. And I was under their care mm-hmm. for over a year. And you'd go through the courses and things like that with mind and you'd learn about your mental health yeah. and different things and that sort of thing. And then I got myself into an abusive domestic relationship with one of the members at Mind. Ah. Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. He was a volunteer and I was a member, so it wasn't even meant to have happened. No. Um, And I went through um, being threatened with violence, Mm -hmm. um, having my phone taken off me so I couldn't contact anyone. He'd use my bank card and try and get money off me. Yeah. Uh, he was taking drugs. Um, he had schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I ended up being raped by him. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. So uh, when that happened, I I was sort of I was trapped in the relationship, and uh, I remember lying in the bath, thinking about the knives in the kitchen, and how it would just be great if I just ended it all because uh, I just yeah I I I I'd never felt so low in my life, and no one really knew what was going on yeah my mum was very concerned but 
the early intervention team were busy trying to tell me how great the new relationship was and that I must stay in it, even though I continued to tell them that I felt at risk. And then they decided to start taking my, um, my, uh, the medication that I was on for uh, my mental health. They decided to start reducing it. Oh, wow. So uh, I ended up having a full blown yeah. <laughs> breakdown. Understandably. Yeah, that sounds I, really I lonely. Felt, yeah, I felt very much like my mental health disorder saved my life in that situation. Yeah. Because uh, the fact that I'd got so low, I then went really, really high. And yeah. in that high, you have confidence that is kind of out of this world feeling and you can do anything mm. and I I got myself out of the situation that I was in that's amazing and then I had to report him to um high up in my, my, my local mind at the time because it wasn't just me he was busy abusing it was other people as well yeah so I had to go through all that before I felt like I could actually address my own mental health. Bless you. Wow. Yeah. Really been so, through it. Yeah. And then I ended up back in hospital again. Yeah. That was one of those, uh, I'll go involuntary, otherwise they would have sectioned me. Yeah. Um, but that's because I'd, I self-harm without actually realising that I'm doing it. Okay. So I'd managed to put my, my three of my fingers on the top of the radiator and burned my hands. But I have no real recollection of actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And because I'd, I'd done that to myself, I didn't really have much choice <laughs> in a missing way. Yeah. You're but, incredibly um, strong. That is the very least I can say. But, yeah. And I think, you know, the fact you went through all that and the fact you're sat here talking to me about it now is an indication of that. Yeah. But the second breakdown actually helped because they actually managed to diagnose my mental health disorder. Okay. So I got diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. Yeah. So the easiest way to explain it is that I have the psychotic symptoms of schizophrenia yeah. coupled with the mood symptoms of bipolar okay yeah and uh, so if I get if I start going high it's it's basically if I get start getting ill the changes from high to low get quicker and quicker yeah so instead of it being over a few months it's over a few weeks to a few days yeah. To the yeah. Hours. And do you feel like you're at a stage now where you can see those warning signs? Oh yes, yes. Yeah. I've I've learned over the years what my trigger points are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not having enough sleep. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's uh, a lot of the time. That's the key to to living with any mental illness is just being able to be in control of it as much as you can and knowing knowing those triggers knowing um why you're feeling like you are and, and seeing those early warning signs because it's it's not a case of 
you know cure it's it's recovery and managing it and ups and just going with the journey but yeah I'm I imagine it's empowering to now have that control mm. sounds like it was you know quite scary when it was first happening and, and not really knowing what was happening and <laughs> until you we were in in the middle of it I can uh, I know how the disorder works and yeah. yeah what the trigger points are um in recent years I got diagnosed with uh, anxious personality disorder yeah they first put it as an- anxious personality traits and now they've changed it into a disorder which yeah. they now yeah. give me medication for but at one point uh, to begin with they put me on antipsychotics which I'm still on, but the first lot they gave me is, is the standard one you get yeah. normally if you end up in hospital, which is lanzapine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's basically what I'd probably call the zombie drug because it, it literally makes you drag your feet. Yeah. You have no energy at all, and you find it incredibly hard to make conversation with people because your your thoughts have been slowed so much the conversation becomes a, a, a huge deal. Yeah. And uh, people made this assumption that um, because I was quiet, that therefore, you know, that I didn't like talking and, and all the rest of it. And then when they actually eventually, I did a, what's it? I did a men- meditation weekend in Brighton. And I, 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 I remember going to my mum you know, this is easy yeah. because I don't have any thoughts to uh, keep press, putting your way to the side of your mind or whatever. Yeah. There isn't any. I, I described it as the tumbleweed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are no thoughts. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you're, you, I think you're drugged up too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. But they Indeed. did eventually change my medication over. Uh, I've been on catyping for uh, since 2013. Actually helped, and I was yeah. actually able to communicate. Yeah, and, and talk to people. I guess if you've been on it all these years, it, it continues to help. Yeah, uh, they did initially put me onto mood stabilizers. Okay, um, and that's when I had my first battle with the the PIP. Yeah, benefits. Yeah which I had taken off me because on when I did the interview, the assessments, I was high. Right. I'd got so stressed that I'd gone really manic. And, of course, then I believe that I can do anything when I can't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, of course, the assessments the man said that he understood, you know, my condition or the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. I got written off, so I had to fight and take it to tribunal. But under the stress of all that, I just had a mini blip mm. in my men- mental health bit. Started to like want to go out all night, and I have no plan of actually getting home at all. Yeah, uh, yeah. So they put me on to mood stabilizers, but then that 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 makes you sleep until like. 11 o'clock in the morning so you 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 no longer had mornings yeah oh that's so hard isn't it it's it's the side effects of medication that 
you know is there to make you feel better and, and sometimes it does and that's great but it's not as easy as just taking yeah. it and that's it yeah it's a real balancing act must be really hard yeah I've been diagnosed with quite a number of health disorders yeah I've got 14 now okay are you <laughs> the way you said it it's like you're going for a bingo or something <laughs> I feel like I'm collecting, you know, let's have a collection. Um, I love, by the way, sorry to interrupt, I just have to say I love that we're on the same humour wavelength and I I often find this with with people with mental health, like, you just, if you don't laugh, you (laughs) don't. If you didn't laugh, then you'd be sat in the corner. (laughs) Exactly. Rocking yourself, crying. (laughs) I, I don't believe that makes that helps at all yeah no but it is healthy to laugh about these things where you can oh yes yeah yeah but sorry continue uh i got diagnosed with uh an extremely rare autoimmune disease oh bless you it's called uh relapsing polychondritis and it affects it's where the immune system attacks your cartilage and surrounding tissues oh goodness um, I'm one in a hundred million people to get this disease. There is no cure. Wow. It's progressive. So I will just keep getting worse. And of course, you, you get to you get put on immune suppressants. Yeah. And they're, they're quite nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, I've, been, <laughs> I've been dealing with that. Yes, and that's um, an impact uh, on the mental health as well. Because it does, yes. It would for anyone. Uh, yeah, especially the fact that um, I live with the fact that if it gets into my heart, it will kill me. So I live with that every day. Well, bless you. Which is quite hard. And then, of course, I, I've developed chronic pain and fibromyalgia on top of that because of the pain that it causes me in my joints and things. And I'm, I'm, I'm a quite, it's quite rare for me to have it at this age anyway. Yeah. Majority of people with the condition don't get diagnosed until they're 50, 50, 60. Yeah. Not for, not in there. I was in my mid-20s yeah. and they worked out that I probably had it since well, since being a child but because it was so rare no one knew what they were looking at so I was having nosebleeds that lasted hours Um, and then I started to get lumps on my ears yeah Uh, they did give me antibiotics but the lumps wouldn't go yeah and I had to wait until I had one that literally took over the side of my head and caused me to end up in A&A with stroke like symptoms down one side and then they actually decided that they might look into it but yeah I had to wait until I was what 25 now 30 so it's snap (laughs) yeah (laughs) so I've had to go through that and then also my mum I'm my mum's carer so I've been caring for my mum since I was a teenager yeah with her and her mental health because I've managed Recently, I've actually managed to get her uh, fully diagnosed with autism, mm-hmm. but she's been struggling with autism for years. Bless her. 
and I've been helping helping her and help her with her anxiety and her depression. Yeah, on top of everything yeah, else. Everything else. <laughs> wow. Yeah, as I said, not doing things by heart. You're, you're, oh. incredible. you're absolutely <laughs> incredible, honestly. So it's such an inspiration, but it, it must be so hard. Like, um, do you, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping you have some strong support in place. Not much. No. No. Um, have some good friends. Yeah. Because I, I know I've got a friend with schizoaffective disorder and I was saying to her today, before I met her, I hadn't even heard of it. Um, I, don't, I don't know how much support there really is for that. I mean, on top of everything else that you're dealing with, there needs to be more. <laughs> yeah, there does. Yeah. But I'm glad you've got some good friends, though. But I've only been on the island for about three years. Okay, so yeah, still still quite recent. Yeah, my mum wanted to do early retirement. Yeah. But I ended up here before her. Yeah. So I was here on the island for seven months on my own. Okay. And then she came and joined me. Yeah. But on the same year, she got diagnosed with cancer. And this was in the middle of COVID. So that's what we were dealing with yeah. <laughs> during COVID. Oh, my goodness. She's in remission now, but because it was stage four by the time they'd found it, yeah, uh, means that it's extremely likely to come back again. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, we've only just managed to start getting some help with uh, West Sussex Cancer Trust. Yeah. But it's taken my mum over a year just to contact them because she gets so anxious with things. Yeah, yeah. But um, they are going to off- offer me some support as well, so that's good. That'd be quite nice. Yeah. Have you ever used the Carers' Lounge in Newport? I'm under... Uh, carers Isla White but they've dropped me wow. and I have if, if I want them to help me out again then I'm gonna have to phone them up but it's that's uh, phone calls is quite difficult to do when you're, you're <laughs> mentally struggling and knowing what to say to people and how to put it and yeah yeah phone calls aren't what I'm <laughs> very good no. at no. and that's actually a really valid point because so often people are wanting help but they can't they can't access it a lot of the times because the means of accessing it is is a barrier you know um, it's really hard and then you end up yeah. stuck yeah that's why i don't understand mental health services where you have you're the one that has to phone them up yeah yeah it's the amount of effort that takes just to make a phone call yeah you know yeah. most people who are mentally struggling aren't going to be able to do that no it's really hard I'm really sorry you deserve more support yeah but it's something I always have to fight I think I'm I'm very good at coming across like I'm coping um I'm all smiles 
I'll make jokes and all that sort of thing. So people always assume that I'm doing far better than I actually am. Yeah. I think because I've had difficulties in sharing my feelings with people because I, you know, I've done it with partners and they've dumped me because I, I, I dare to have feelings. Yeah. Yeah, so when I get let my guard down, I've had so many times where I've been let down by the people that I've let my guard down to. I I struggle to, I suppose, show it, show how I actually am coping to people. Yeah, it's really hard. It's a hard enough thing without that. You know, if you've had experiences where it's not gone well. Like you said, that makes it even harder. Yeah, it does. So. I'm sorry. It sucks. <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm. Sometimes that's. It doesn't necessarily help to hear people say that, but that's all. That's all you need them to say. Um, so I know you wanted to talk about some coping mechanisms you've had, or you've you found work. Yeah, um, there's a ways of uh, I've learned with coping. Yeah. So I have plenty of coping mechanisms. Okay. And I have done counselling, which I paid for. Okay. <laughs> yeah, counselling for three years. Having talk therapy mm-hmm. really, really helped. Yeah. Being able to talk out issues or things that you've experienced and learning how to, I suppose, perceive them in a different way or going, oh, you know, that makes sense. Like um, I did with my my dad. I discussed things like what his childhood was like and what he went through so that I could understand why he treated me the way he did. It doesn't mean that, you know, I, I, I forgive him for being a, crap dad but um it was my way of being able to accept that that's why that happened sort of thing and I was able to put you know so my the way I view my dad is that he's a he's a friend he's a friend that I call dad because there's no point in putting uh um, you know, things like responsibilities and expectations of him being a dad because he he proved that he he's, he's rubbish at that and he just can't do it. Um, so it's it's a lot easier to view him as a friend. It takes away all that expectation of him being this, that, the other, mm-hmm. and it still means that I can still talk to him. But I, it's all on when I want to talk to him now, rather than. Yeah, on your terms. Um, yeah, it's very much on my terms now. Um, but I didn't have them in my life for about seven, about eight years. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I found things like that, counselling and things like that, very therapeutic. Yeah. So changing how you view things. Yeah. So yeah. they sort of sit better in your mind. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Therapy could be so good for offering different perspectives and teaching you to get you know to view those perspectives yourself and also just processing things it's um Mm. Uh, I'm currently going through the system at the moment um they've put me under CBT but I've had CBT before and 
I don't find it very beneficial because it feels like you're trying to put a plaster on a missing leg. Yeah. Yeah, it's especially when the things you've been through are quite traumatic. How's changing how I feel? <laughs> yeah, how I think about this, and um, you know, make it all go away? Does it? No. <laughs> yeah. So I've even said to the CBT guy, "We're having a chat." You know, you can throw in the odd bit of CBT, but I can tell you that I already think the way, you know, I should do is not negative, is you're not intrusive. Yeah. I don't view myself in a negative way. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing all the things that I should be doing. So <laughs> you can throw yeah. that in every so often. I can tell you how rubbish your <laughs> tip is. <Yeah. laughs> but I just need to have a chat. But he's uh, let me know that I'm entitled to some counselling through Mountbatten for what I went through with my mum because I still need to talk about that um, I think what you've just described is a perfect example of person-led care and like actually asking the person what what they want you knew better than them what you needed from that you do you do Um, know yeah, how you should learn how your own mind works so you should know yeah. what works and what doesn't work for you yeah. and you should be able to say that yeah yeah 100 percent mm. yeah so I used to say it to my psychiatrists as well I used to put them in there <laughs> yeah you said you you'd had three years of therapy but you'd paid for it yeah yeah. Is that because, because the NHS? Yeah, because all they offered me on the NHS at the time was CBT. Right. You know, I'd just been through something really traumatic. I'd just been through, you know, abusive relationship. I'd been raped, all the rest of it. Um, and you're offering me CBT. Uh, yeah, that's not really going to cover it, is it? <laughs> you know, you're going to need to talk these issues out. Yeah. Yeah. So that you can find a better way of it sitting on your head that is not gonna you're not gonna be triggered every time you hear the the words mentioned on the you know BBC and all the rest of it. Um because uh, the I got after I'd been discharged from the hospital that time, I got um they they put me back with the early intervention team, mm. even though they'd helped me. <laughs> go crazy in the first place they then put me back with them so I didn't tell them what I was going through I was having flashbacks and yeah quite my counsellor said that I was basically going through PTSD yeah but they were unaware of what I had was going through or experiencing because I didn't want to talk to them after that yeah I didn't I didn't trust their service that service had helped me go back into having another episode. And yeah, if, yeah. So I, I no longer trusted their service, and I basically did anything I possibly could to get discharged from them. But yeah, I, I requested my own counselling. I managed to have community counselling, which at the time I only had to cost, it was only £5 a session or something. So yeah, yeah so I could actually talk about the real hard-hitting traumatic things that I'd been through yeah again you knew what you needed I knew what I needed yeah 
first of all, they gave me um, art therapy and uh, I had one session with her uh, and, and then she left. And I said, was it something I said? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. you're not handling it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think what I've been through is horrible as well, you know, <laughs> that's a relief. <laughs> oh, oh. oh that's, that's a shame though. Did you enjoy the art therapy for the one session? <laughs> Don't you have it all? Yeah, I had yeah. a little bit um a few years after. Yeah. I did a family tree thing with one oh, of my nice. counsellors. Yeah. And talked about the different relationships I have with with my, my parents and my brother and different family members and things. Mm. And what type of relationships I had. And yeah. With coping. I find being your own friend helps. Yeah. So how you speak to yourself in your own head, you know, you spend most of your time in your own head, so you might as well make it a, a nice place to be. So I don't have any of these intrusive thoughts. I don't have an inner critic. I've, I've learned how to make mine go away. And stay, go away. That's <laughs> amazing. Come back now. <laughs> That's amazing. Well done. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, it's it's you have to learn to treat yourself how you treat your friends. So if you tell your friends to I uh, do something nice, uh, you know, you've had a really hard day. Why don't you uh, watch a nice program or read a book or you've got to learn how to do that to yourself as well so if you've had a hard day then you need to do something nice to make yourself feel better yeah uh, so yeah, a bit of things like you know doing coloring or reading a book or yeah doing different bits that actually make you feel better inside so you have this conversation with yourself of you know this has been really hard let's do something nice because that's how you treat your friends. So why are you not doing that to yourself? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's that inner conversation that you have. It's amazing, like, you know, when when you say it like that, it, it sounds like the simplest thing in the world. But I imagine that wasn't something that happened overnight. But, um, no, it's something I had to learn how to do. Yeah, the skill. It's amazing that you've done that. And again shows your strength so just for our listeners we had some technical difficulties because I'm a bit of a novice but I was just saying to Becky that it sounds like she's saved herself and you agreed didn't you yeah yeah I definitely agree I am my own I am my own hero yeah I like that get that on the t-shirt <laughs> yeah yeah no that's amazing honestly really inspiring is would that be your sort of main bit of advice yeah. 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 Learning to accept things. Yeah. Um, it's a bit, you have to accept the things that, you know, you can't change and change the things that you can. Yeah. One of those, uh, I suppose you could say mantra. It's one of those, like, they're, they're often so true, you know? They are. They are very true. And they are very true when it comes to mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Like if something isn't working, then you need to change it. 
yeah. but you have to do it in you know step by step bits and it's 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 learning especially with all my chronic illnesses and things like that it's learning about making the most of every day yeah especially with chronic illnesses you you you, you feel like you don't get the same 24 hours because tomorrow I could be dealing with a whole load of different symptoms that I haven't had today Mm. so it's but it it works with mental health as well it's it's making the most of now because now is what you're living you know you're not in the past past is behind you the future's in front of you you're dealing with here and now so it's about making the most of now I think I'm going to hire you as my life coach. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> really, like, this is this is some seriously inspiring stuff. And I'm like, I'm just honestly like, I just caught sight of my own face, or I'm like, rat, <laughs> rat's attention. Like, <laughs> that is, yeah, it's it's so true. And I'm just, I am honestly like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be over the top here but I'm blown away that you have been through and continue to go through everything and all those struggles and hardships and that's your attitude that's yeah amazing be your own friend (laughs) (laughs) I will try listeners you need to try that as well (laughs) honestly I, I cannot thank you enough Becky, you've been been amazing. Thank you for sharing everything you did and and for that amazing inspiration. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that's okay. Been lovely talking to you. Really has. It wasn't easy to hear some of the stuff, and I'm I'm so sorry you've been through what you've been through. But you're incredibly strong. (laughs) Yeah, it's how you deal with what you've been given, I suppose. Yeah, and I'm sure there are going to be people listening to this. I mean, there's always going to be people learning things, and I'm learning things, but there's also going to be people who are hopefully find some comfort and inspiration in this, particularly because a lot of what you've spoken about, we, you know, people don't talk about them very openly, which is exactly why we're, we're doing this, obviously. And that's why I want to be able to talk to different people and be able to I suppose to, to share it and talk about it and all the rest because I know uh, from experience and from knowing people with mental health prob- problems and issues and things and how hard it is to be able to speak about it and mm. you know and, and talk that's why I want to be able to to talk about it and go well, yeah I've, I've been through all this and you know I'm still here uh, yeah and I'm still fighting and yeah. no, that's amazing thank you if you have been affected by any of the topics covered in today's podcast please see our show notes on our Facebook page for our suggested contacts if you're interested in talking on our podcast get in touch through the Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. Stay safe, you wonderful people.